forever. Dog. Hey, gentle listeners, it's Andrew, and welcome to Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. It's a comedy podcast about scary stories, urban legends, and spooky things you tell us about. And hey, in case you're new to this podcast, if you started listening in October because you were in the mood to get Halloweeny and you're sticking around, we're very thrilled to have you. Uh, and just a reminder, Anna and I are not serious ghostologists. We are serious about having to find ghosts funny so that the concept of their existence doesn't turn our brain to goop. Uh, but that's kind of the length of scholasticism and academia that you're going to find on this podcast. But if you're in the mood to giggle a little bit and find light in the things that are frightening to all of us, well, then pull up a chair to the proverbial fire because here we are. And, you know, it's funny, typically Anna and I take this week after Halloween off because even though spooky is not seasonal, sometimes we all need just a chance to recharge the spooky well, to give ourselves some time to reacclimate um, ourselves to other seasons and find what is spooky about them. And also maybe you're just a little burnt out on Kit Kats and, and Reese's Fast Break Bars. Did I just make that up? Is there something called a Fast Break Bar? I feel like there is. Um, but we thought it might be a little fun to have just a tiny baby mini-sode just to wean you back into the spooky world. Um, of course, Christmas time, winter time, there are plenty of scary things about. In like Victorian England, ghost stories were a huge part of um, the days getting shorter. And I don't think Halloween was as much of a big thing in London town. Um, but, you know, snow is classically spooky, white like ghosts, right? But I was thinking, we talk a lot about other people's ghost stories. Anna and I are constantly getting people sending us their personal ghost stories. Our friends are telling us their ghost stories. Um, and that predated even the existence of the podcast. I was just thinking, I when I lived in New York, I used to get my hair cut at this great place called Astor Place Barbershop, which if you haven't been, I highly recommend it. Um, it's been around for like 75 years at least. I think I think it's like much older than that, but they're sort of – I think they're sort of thing. It's like we've been around a long time. Um, but that's where I used to get my hair cut, and it was always packed. And one night I, – I mean this is probably six years ago. I went in, and it was suspiciously quiet. And I got assigned to one of the barbers. There were always like 20 of them working at once. It was kind of, a, again, a quiet evening, so there were only a couple working. And I sat down with this uh, with this barber, and he asked me what I did. I said I was a writer. He asked me what sort of writing I did. And at the time, I was working on a bunch of uh, scary stories inspired by the New York City subway lines. And he was like, "Oh, I should write a scary story." And I was like, "Oh, what would your uh, what would your scary story be about?" And he he was like, "Well, a couple years ago, this guy came in right before closing." And uh, he said he wanted like a trim and like a shave. And the whole time I was cutting his hair, he didn't blink once. He just stared at himself in the mirror the entire time with his eyes wide open. And it didn't matter if there was like 
snips of hair falling in his eyes, or whether I was spraying stuff in his face, those eyes stayed open the entire time, and like, till he paid me, and he left, and I looked over my shoulder the whole trip home, and something about that story really creeped me out. Um, I love hearing like people's versions of what a scary story is. Sometimes they're not even supernatural. And I actually have not had that many personal supernatural experiences, which I'm sure will come as a surprise to many of you because Anna and I are constantly talking about all the things that scare us. But like, sure, I had a camper when I was a camp counselor who I thought might have been the Antichrist. I have been pursued by werewolf-like people um, and wild personas. But in terms of like an abject, that supernatural experience, I really think I've only had one. And, um, and I'd like to share it with you if I could. I know I've probably referenced it before, but I don't think I've ever given it a no-holds-barred um, explanation. So I used to live in a pre-war building uh, after my husband Chris and I got married. Uh, we moved into this place in Crown Heights. And it was beautiful. It kind of, the lobby weirdly looked, <laughs> this also might show how broke Chris and I were at the time. We were like, the lobby looks like the entryway to the Titanic, um, which I think really just meant that there was not like viscous fluid on the ground and there were um, very nice light installations. <laughs> and so, uh, so we moved into this place, but it was very old, very eerie. I think it was built in the early 1900s, maybe late 1800s. Um, but nothing supernatural ever happened in our apartment. But one night, it was the week of Halloween, which I know is very convenient. But it was actually after Halloween, which I also think is kind of a sleeper scary time. Because people are no longer walking around in costumes. There are the remnants of um, pumpkins and cobwebs and decorations but they've all kind of fallen by the wayside. People aren't as um, fastidious about getting rid of those. So it was a rainy, cold night. I was driving home in a cab uh, on my way from a rehearsal. Uh, I was with another cast member in this cab. We were talking about like what a perfectly creepy, spooky night this was and how much we kind of wished it was before Halloween so we could enjoy thematically the weather. But... um. Again, pouring down rain, just warm enough for it to be rain and not snow. I get let out in front of my building. And as I'm walking to the awning above the entryway door, I see down the block that there is a, what appears to be a woman in a floor length black dress. And she's just got like long, dark hair all over her, but like, it almost looks like she's in costume to the point that I was like, this person is going to a late Halloween party. It didn't, it, I didn't clock it as an extraordinarily frightening thing in that moment, but she's kind of walking a little bit slowly for someone who's walking through the rain with no umbrella. And, uh, I get to the front door. I'm going through my coats, like 15 pockets looking for my keys. And as I'm searching, I realize that she has stopped right behind me, like within inches of behind me to the point that I can feel her breath on the back of my neck, which is a disconcerting feeling. And I find my key and I'm left with that choice, which I don't know. I, I think this must occur to people who don't live in cities, but I think it is a very familiar experience for people who live in cities where you 
sometimes feel this strange dichotomy of pressure when you are pulling your key out to open the door to get into your building of like, do I do the polite thing and hold this door if it's someone I don't recognize and risk that this is like, you know, um, a, a, a mad murderer coming to kill everyone in the building? Like, do I do I risk that? Do I trust that they live here? Does it matter to me? Is that my responsibility? Um, do I let them in or do I close the door behind me and risk seeming like an absolute jerk? And I think what I learned about myself in that moment is I would rather um, be murdered on the spot than be perceived as rude or to have someone be upset with me. <laughs> because not only did I just like let her come in behind me, I held the door for her. She went in first. And it was then that I saw that it was not just like any standard long black dress. It was like an old-fashioned, not costumey at all. It looked very genuine, like old-fashioned, long-sleeved, plain black dress. Again, completely unkempt hair, long, long dark hair, soaking wet down her back. She makes eye contact with me, not one bit, walks right in, walks to the dead center of the lobby, and she just starts slowly rotating around, looking at like every square inch of this lobby. She looks very confused. She looks very lost. And I'm kind of standing there waiting for her to speak to me or do something, but I almost don't want to wait for her to fully turn around in case we're headed for like a Ghostbusters librarian situation. And when I see her face, she turns into some sort of um, unholy ghoul. So instead... I sort of turn tail and I go up the stairs three steps to where my apartment is, but my apartment looks directly onto the lobby and I'm at my door. And again, I don't want to seem rude. So I turn back to her and I'm like, good night. There's like a four second pause. And she says, so long. And I go in my apartment, close the door behind me, lock it. I look through the keyhole and she just sort of wanders deep into the building. And I never see her again. And I'm home alone. Chris isn't back from work yet. And it wasn't until I took my jacket off and sat down that I thought about how she said so long that it did not seem to be in response to me. And I have this chilling feeling, even now, that she was not saying so long as like, a colloquial, see you later, but rather she was looking around this hundred and something year old lobby that might look a lot different than it used to look a hundred and something years ago and saying to herself, so long, <laughs> which even now as I'm telling it, it gives me goosebumps. Now, I have told this story to other people. Some people are terrified by it or like she's absolutely a ghost. Um, I've had other people be like, no, this is clearly just a Mennonite woman. There is a rather large Mennonite population in Brooklyn, which also very feasible, makes sense. I feel like all the best spooky stories have a very logical explanation. But part of the fun of it is like, what if, <laughs> what if this ghostly, whether she's a Mennonite woman or not, um, returning to a place she used to live on a dark and stormy night, it just really, really 
really to the bone chills me. Now, maybe that means that I need to have a more supernatural experience. I'm not inviting that into my life. Chris and I were just in Maine, and um, we saw this uh, drink tray that has a Ouija board on it, and we we bought it for some friends. And Chris was like, oh, do you, we want to get a second one for us? And I was like, I don't really want to invite that into our home, which I know makes me crazy, unless you are someone who agrees with me entirely, in which case I'm the smartest person alive. Um, but even, again, this is not a fully supernatural experience, but we were just at a friend's bachelorette party, and she had it at this... Um, this country house, uh, like the far tip of Long Island. And it was 210 years old. It used to be the town's post office. And I did not get negative vibes from it at all. All positive, warm, fun, lovely vibes. But we were sitting down to dinner one night, this long, long, long dining room table, like 15 chairs. And we were each sort of talking about, there is a certain degree of aliveness that the house had that again is not oppressive or scary, but was just notable from when we all walked in. And as we're having this conversation, um, I feel Chris walk behind me. Like I, I feel the footstep, the vibration of the footsteps on the, on the wood. I feel him kind of brush behind me. Um, I, I even feel like I see from the corner of my eye, him pass behind me. And I look at the far end of the table and Chris is already sitting there along with everyone else currently in the house. And I, I would just posit that sometimes the most impactful supernatural experiences are not ones that, um, jump out screaming at us, but just give us this strange sense of like, Oh, there's something beyond what I can see and feel. And part of what Anne and I love about you guys sending your stories is that um, they run the gamut of uh, uh, complete, overt, frightening, haunted dolls that we see moving to one time I felt a strange way and it made me feel weird. <laughs> and, and I want to tell you that all of those various haunted experiences are valid. And, um, and please keep sending them to us because I think as we head into the holiday-ish season, um, we're going to start reading them again. Uh, but in any event, I hope you all had a blessed Halloween uh, and that you're enjoying your post-Halloween time. I love November. I think it's a great month. Um, and again, you can always send us your scary stories at scarystorypod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at scarystory underscore pod. In the meantime, everybody, I wish you the very best. Um, happy November. And one more thing. Get out forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 
at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. 